This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What is up, everybody? This is the Coast to Coast podcast from InsideCarolina.com. I'm your host, Joey Powell. We are brought to you by the fine folks at Johnny T-Shirt. Welcome in, welcome all, welcome to those of you who we have missed, and I mean that. All of you are taking the time to listen to this show and be a part of the Inside Carolina universe, making Coast to Coast part of your regular podcast consumptions. I'm thankful for you. I mean that. I really do truly like doing this show, and I like the fact that so many of you have come to expect greatness from this show. We hope that we can continue to deliver to you tonight. Uh, as we record this, the two guys that you are here to hear are with me again, as always, Sherelle McMillan, Sean Moran. Sean, how you feeling? Doing well. Excited to uh, to chat basketball in late May. Yeah, I'm just I'm, I'm glad I was able to pull you off of a plate of brisket for a second to do this show. Uh, Sherelle McMillan, I, I, I appreciate the sacrifices and the the waters that you had to cross. The water was deep. The river was wide. But you got through it to make this show for the people tonight, and I'm thankful for you. Joey's being literal when he says that, and <laughs> just, I'm I'm doing my Alicia Keys no makeup thing. I'm completely undressed. You're getting the authentic me, no Nike headband, no nothing. You're getting yeah. the real. Me. If so. you start playing some basic three chord piano songs in a couple of minutes, <laughs> then I'm I'm really gonna call you uh, Alicia Keys. And guys, we've got a little bit to talk about here since we last joined the fine folks here in Inside Carolina Nation. Um, want to make sure before we get rolling, I just remind everybody, hey, rate, review. And if you hadn't subscribed already, please go ahead and do that. Uh, really helps us at Inside Carolina, really helps uh, helps us with with ad money, really helps us with getting to the top of, of the searches for when folks are looking for great content. So please take a second, review us. I really personally, I'm not making this up, am thankful when folks give us a review. So I want to make sure you take a second and review us. And if you don't like what we're doing, hey, shoot me an email. Um, or let us know, let Ben, let anybody know at management at Inside Carolina, and, and we'll try to do better. But with all that said, since the last time we talked to everybody, uh, not a ton to report. Uh, we had the big GG Jackson commitment. Uh, we talked with uh, Rob and, and our man, Eric Bossy, about the rankings for uh, the 24-7 composites that came out. So we got all that good stuff out there for you. Well, right now, the North Carolina Tar Heel basketball program is getting ready to do some portal shopping. Uh, and every time I use the word portal, 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 now that I've reversed my mind to stop thinking port john every time I hear it, now I think portal, 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 portal. I think it's something like from uh, this extra dimension of space where we're all jumping in uh, Space Mountain roller coaster and, and going through you know the nether sphere. Uh, and just I've gotten to where I absolutely hate that word. But with all that said, it ain't about me. It's about North Carolina, who now has a roster spot to fill. And at Inside Carolina, we believe 
that they're going to try to fill that um, based on a couple of fits that are out there. Uh, Sherelle, I want to confirm with you uh, the dead period ends, which again, the dead period is, is a period when uh, there can be no off-campus communication. Is that right? Or is it just on-campus communication? Uh, no, uh, no in-person contact, period. Okay. So basically that ends on Friday, May the 27th. So while it applies to high school seniors, it also applies to, or high school recruits, it also applies to players in the transfer portal. So uh, Sherelle, do you have any ideas that UNC will be hoping to make moves as soon as the 28th happens? Or do you think it's just one of those wait and see with, with who's on their radar right now? We'll talk about those guys in a second. Yeah, I think they would be very aggressive in trying to get uh, whomever they deem the perfect fit or, or a good fit uh, on campus as soon as possible, uh, you know, possibly Saturday. Um, so that's something to look out for. We don't have any definitive word of that, but that seems to be um, kind of the word on the street, kind of the rumor mill talking that they um, could bring someone in on Saturday. So UNC is obviously trying to move on this sooner rather than later. But if you'll remember, as Sherell and Sean and I told you a couple of weeks ago, that the way this was looking based on guys, uh, you know, auspices for the NBA or professional combines, it was going to be a while. We thought that, you know, the first time things would actually start happening would be the beginning of June. We're a little ahead of that, but not by much, uh, just a couple of days or so. So UNC, again, looking to fill that, based on what we've been told, and guys, correct me if I'm wrong, looking to fill that four uh, or five role, to play the role that Brady Manick played last year, not necessarily to try to be Brady Manick, but to fill that role in Hubert Davis's system, uh, give some extra minutes at the five, the way Manick did last year. Um, and, and guys, I'm going to throw this out. We're going to go through them individually. Uh, first target that North Carolina is looking at, uh, six foot nine, 225 pound, Senior, so this would be a grad transfer, uh, Matthew Meyer from Baylor. Uh, last year averaged 9.8 points, five rebounds, and 1.2 steals a game. Shot 41% from the field and is a 35% three-point uh, three shooter uh, for his career, so 35% from behind the arc. North Carolina did see him last year in the NCAA tournament. Um, you guys might remember him as Mullet Man. Uh, the parallels between Meyer and Brady Manick are absolutely absurd you know he's he's from the midwest big 12 country uh had a six stash really awesome hair um plays similar positions uh there's just a lot of overlap there but sean why don't you tell us a little bit about myers game and, and you know what his skills are on the court and how he fits into uh the type of offense that the hubert davis runs sure so just from a height and weight perspective you mentioned six nine uh, from a weight-wise, he, he actually just measured around 215, 216 at the NBA Combine or NBA, yeah, the NBA Combine before he before he pulled out. So a little light if uh, if you're going to try to play him at the five, but that's obviously a need in terms of who who backs up Armando Baycott. But you have you know similar to to Brady Manick, he was coming off of four years at Oklahoma. Uh, Matthew Mayer coming off of four years at Baylor much different profile because we're talking about over the last three years, one of the best programs in, in Baylor. And prior to this year, Mayer was coming off the bench versus Manic, who was much starting from day one in Oklahoma. So the stats aren't going to jump out to you with Mayer. And when you look at both his junior and senior year, his efficiency actually decreased a little bit. You know, those minutes went from 15 up to 23 minutes per game. Uh, but you're, you're getting a six, nine guy that 
I think is is naturally a three, uh, but in Baylor's offense, they're playing really a four four out one in. So the three and four were were pretty much interchangeable, both offensively and defensively, especially given how much Baylor like to switch uh, on the defensive side of the ball. So offensively, you know, not a guy who's super athletic, but a guy that when you're watching him, he he's always aware of what's going on and he's always he's always on his toes. He's ready to, to make a move, whether that's to catch and shoot, uh, to drive, uh, to, to cut off, you know, off, off ball. So he's always looking to move offensively. His three point shooting numbers drop this year, but I think you look at, you look at the stroke and, and no, it's not a, a Brady manic, just picture perfect stroke, but I think he's definitely better than the, the 31, 32% that he was this year and would be, uh, you know, significant threat, especially playing that four spot in UNC's lineup. Defensively is where I think there's also a lot of positives. He can, once again, Baylor was switching one through four for the most part. So he can, he can switch. I don't think you want him guarding uh, point guards necessarily all the time because he can't get beat off the dribble, but his wingspan, six, ten and a half, six, eleven, good timing. Probably one of the few players in college basketball that had both a block and a steal percentage uh, over three percent, which which is rare. So he he gets in the passing lanes. Uh, def- defensive rebounding, I guess, is one thing we we didn't mention, but uh, really really strong on the defensive boards. And he's a guy similar to Leaky that if he can if he grabs it, he's ready to push it up and 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 push the tempo. So a really well rounded ball player, but definitely doesn't come in with the pedigree that the Brady had prior from an individual standpoint, but at the same time, he played on that national championship game. And one of the reasons we're talking about him now is that he didn't take that jump that a lot of people were expecting of him from that junior to senior year increase in, in playing time, but still was a, a key part of a team that was a one seed. And uh, as we saw that, that UNC knocked out in the second round. I think a lot of folks have wondered how much Baylor's depth uh, contributed to how he was used and how he was deployed last year. Uh, I don't know a ton about, you know, Baylor's, uh, you know, Scott Drew's coaching staff mentality or what his philosophies are. So I can't really speak to that, but I have seen, I have seen some, some write-ups about that. Shrill, can you talk a little bit about what uh, Meyer might be in uh, how he might fit into North Carolina's program? You know, Sean spoke to how he might fit in the offense, but, how do you see him as a fit to the program, complementing the roster, or or where he might be able to pick up some spots uh, that the roster has gaps? Well, I think that's the big question. Um, when you are looking at a grad transfer, you don't have, have a ton of time to figure out whether or not this person fits your your core values, whether or not they want the same thing, whether or not your visions and you know uh, your your vision board and all that stuff is aligned. Um, you kind of have to make your best guess and and do your best and, and move forward. So I think that's part of what, and we can confirm, you know, that North Carolina has been talking to him and he's been talking to North Carolina. So I think that's part of the vetting process is to try and figure out exactly what it is he's looking for. You know, Baylor's a very successful program, very successful, more, you know, as successful as UNC these last few years, more successful than UNC these last few years. So you have to ask yourself like, okay, well, why would you leave a stable situation like that? And, and try to go elsewhere. So those are the kind of questions I think the UNC staff probably asked him. Um, I, I would assume he has a very good answer, whether it's to be in a different culture or, or more playing time or a different position or what have you. So as long as they're satisfied with that answer, I think the fit 
um, is fine. I think from a roster continuity and, and management standpoint, um, you know, they have players who I would say are duplicative on the roster. It's just a matter of providing competition. So now the guys who maybe thought that they had a, a spot locked in, even Meyer, you know, if he were to come to UNC, um, there's nobody who's locked into a spot, I would say, um, at that 4-5. I think it's going to be an open competition if Meyer were to come to UNC or, or a couple of the other guys that we're going to talk about. Um, so I think that's what it does is it it's going to push – more than likely Dontre Styles and push more than likely Puff Johnson to be better. And then the hope is if that if you sign someone like Meyer, if you if he pushes those two to be better, it makes the team better. It makes the team more well-rounded. That's the fit. And I think that's what they're kind of looking at as they explore these uh, transfer opportunities. Yeah, I appreciate that insight talking about the other guys that are currently on the roster and how it could actually improve, improve them by having competition. You know, we've talked on this show about how UNC was, you know, just months ago, uh, kind of standing there holding the bag, trying to figure out what to do about program depth. And now all of a sudden with the players that have returned last year, you're looking at a really good opportunity by adding a piece, regardless of who it is, uh, of veteran leadership that could come in and immediately provide some competition for guys that are uh, rotation players at the moment and could really do a lot for building that, that program depth that we talked about. Yeah, to your point, Joey, I mean, Myers specifically, that's what we're talking about right now. He's played in almost 130 games. Mm-hmm. So by the time his career is over, uh, he'd likely be at, you know, 170 at least, probably close to it, um, which is an absurd – I know it's because of COVID year, but that's an absurd number of games. And you add that to the experience that Armando Baycott and RJ Davis, Davis and Caleb Love and Nikki Black have, and you just have a really old, uh, talented, experienced team. So – I think that is definitely one of the appeals of him. It's just he's like like Baycott and the rest of them. He's kind of seen it all during his time at Baylor. Yeah, I, I love that. Um, I love that line of thinking, Sheryl. I, I think it's. Uh, I think it's. It does speak to where this where this team is going, and and you know potentially what the what the ceiling or the floor could be uh, for their roster. Sean, you had a question you wanted to ask about um, about potential. You know, the potential in bringing in a guy like like Meyer. Like you know, does he does he have too many of the same duplicate skill sets that UNC already has on the roster? Yeah, I think in an ideal world, uh, I've kind of floated this idea out before is, is if you have one spot, almost bringing in a, a Justin Knox type of guy that mm-hmm. isn't looking for a starting spot, you know, can play the five because Manic, once again, at three, four, four, three, however you want to slot it. Could you spot him some minutes at the five? Possibly. Uh, but if, if Baycott gets in trouble, it could allow UNC to be pretty creative, uh, also depending on Jalen Washington and, and the health. But you're still missing a true guy that can defend defend bigs down low. Uh, but from a talent perspective, like you you put you put that starting lineup out there, and from a from a name base, you're not going to get a better starting lineup in the country. Uh, but at the same time, you have Puff, who played extremely well in the, in the in the championship game. I know he, he hasn't done it for a full year, but you could see the improvement and see the talent that was coming really in his first full year of playing time. And then you have Dontre Styles, who didn't get a whole lot of playing time as a freshman, but could he make that freshman and sophomore year leap? And then, you know, just from a guard perspective, you have Trimble coming off the bench, uh, Dunn kind of waiting his turn. So there is a lot of just a lot of talent on this roster with or without a new addition 
And, you know, I don't think it's a Garcia situation where now you're trying to cram three full starters into two spots, but that is one thing that gives me, gives me pause. I think it would, it could be, it could be worked out. And I think guys minutes should hopefully come down a little bit, just uh, given everything that happened, happened last year and maybe some of the wear and tear, but that is one of the the small concerns. But I think if you are able to get a guy like, like mayor uh, that can fit in from a team perspective, it will hopefully boost the competitiveness and give UNC and Hubert uh, a few more options to, to work with. But I think definitely a, a question I would have going into this. I think that's valid. And I appreciate you raising it because, you know, our, our job here is to try to examine as, as many sides of, of an issue as we can and do it with a little bit of neutrality. Um, also, just I, I would I would be bad if I didn't say your answer there just made me think about the, the great, powerful, meaningful cliche that iron sharpens iron, which I know our our other uh, our other member of this podcast, Shirley McMillan, loves to say that uh, on a regular basis, especially when he's working his real job. Uh, next, I, I want. I thought you were going to a giant T-shirt segue. Honestly, oh, so look, <laughs> that's that, where I had to go. As as well played as that was, man, it would only have been topped by a Johnny T-shirt segue. I'll try to I'll try to bring out a good one for a little bit later in the show. Uh, next guy I want to talk about that's been on UNC's radar uh, is Pete Nance, 6'10", 225, uh, out of Northwestern. Uh, a lot of people really like his game. Had a huge jump this year um, for Northwestern playing for the Wildcats. 14.6 rebounds a game, 49% from the field. Uh, also averaged two blocks per 40. And I think one of the things about Matthew Meyer and also Pete Nance are if either one of these guys were to join North Carolina's front court, you're looking at an amazing defensive combination between Baycott, either of these two guys, and, uh, and also Leaky Black. But uh, Nance also 36% from three for his career, which for a guy that big, again, just really illustrates the way that the game is trending. Uh, Sean, talk a little bit about uh, Pete Nance's game. Super efficient. Uh, as you mentioned, he's been improving every year at, at Northwestern. Uh, probably, you know, going to the Big Ten. Didn't watch a lot of Big Ten hoops, but especially North, let Northwestern. That, let that hate flow through you, brother. Let the big hate shot <laughs> Just let it shine through. Well, it was shining through in March, uh, definitely. But in terms of, of Pete Nance, uh, he's a guy that little by little improved improved each each year. And going back to the efficiency, whether it's Ken Palm offensive rating or, or synergy where he finished out. It was a stellar, stellar year that he did have. Uh, 6'10", 6'11", played majority of his minutes at the five. Uh, really comfortable in the pick and pop situations offensively. Uh, and especially kind of drawing, you know, drawing the bigs outside and, and just spotting up from the top of the key for, for threes, which he hit at a, at a ridiculous clip. Uh, defensively, strong, strong shot blocker you know, has some, has some length to him, not, not crazy length, but definitely a good defensive prospect uh, at, at protecting the rim. I think the concerns with him uh, and, and similar to Brady Manick, he actually just played in the G league elite uh, competition in Chicago. So the event before the NBA combine, and he had a really, really good uh, day one where he knocked in a few threes, uh, struggled a little bit on day two, uh, knocked in some and then, then uh, fell off a little bit. But with him, you're looking at what I think is a, a true five. Um, sure, you could pair him next to Armando offensively and he's shooting threes, but I feel I feel the 
the synergy would not would be there because once again, I, you're looking at a pick and pop type of guy, uh, not not the quickest on on his feet. And I think now you're going back to what we always talked about: two true bigs that are natural fives playing defense. And this time, once again, you just have a you just have a guy that can shoot uh, 45% from three that's spreading the floor. But defensively, I think a lot of teams would be able to take advantage of that. And also when we were talking about kind of a Justin, a Justin Knox type, this guy averaged 15 points per game uh, last year. So this would be the perfect addition if Armando had, had left and you're trying to look for a true starting, starting center, but he's not going to want to play behind Armando. And does he really fit at the four when I think he's a, a natural five that can slot in at the four occasionally. So just my opinion, but a uh, very talented player. I, I think it'd also be interesting to see if he, if he does come back or if he does stay, I know he's not projected really in any, any mock drafts, but you put a guy six eleven, even if he doesn't make the NBA, I'm sure he could go spend a year overseas and make, uh, make, you know, well into six figures in a really strong organization as well. So that's probably something else that he's, he's trying to measure in this decision-making process. And, and I should have mentioned, uh, and I'm sorry to step on you for a second ago, but I, I, everybody needs to know how much, you know, you really, really loathe Big Ten basketball. So I, I try to make sure that we amplify that any chance we get. Um, but something I want to mention about both of these guys, uh, Meyer withdrew from the combine this past week or this past weekend. Uh, Nance is still in, and, and unless I've heard otherwise, he's not speaking to anybody about his process and still um, kind of going through things. Um, and also, Pete is the son of uh, of Larry Nance, former uh, former Clemson player and a guy that was really successful in the NBA, had a long NBA career and was on a lot of those Cavs teams that went up against the Jordan-era Bulls in the, uh, in the Eastern Conference Finals. Uh, Sherelle, talk a little bit about Pete Nance and what he, what he might add in the same kind of light that we talked about, Meyer. Used to pick those Cleveland Cavaliers teams a lot, uh, like at NBA Live '94. You could play oh, yeah. old school with like Gerald Wilkins and Mark Price, Craig Elo. Yep. Uh, Brad Doherty. Uh, that's Brad Doherty. That was the starting like that was like the top six. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I think Nance at his height and with his skill set, I'd be surprised if he comes back to college. Honestly, um, just because he, he's you know he's done his, his time in college, and I think he's showed enough in in the relative combines um, that when you have that combination again of skill and size and shooting ability, I think someone will take a chance on you, whether it, to Sean's point, whether it's in, <clears throat> excuse me, the second round or it's an international deal, I think he can get paid a good amount of money to play basketball next year. Uh, as far as UNC goes, I mean, like Sean said, it's, it's kind of a, you know, a, a perfect fit if North Carolina didn't have a center already and they are happy with the center that they have. <laughs> um, so we'll, I just, you know, I, realistically to me, that doesn't seem like um, the best fit just because, you know, if, if he comes in to UNC, he's not going to start at the five. And so it's kind of like a situation where what exactly is his motivation? If he wants to come in and come off the bench and just play for a really great program, then sure, you welcome him in and, and say, you know, thank you. But, you know, a lot of players, they want to play because they know they're good and, and they have a chance to, to make some money and they know um, that they can help teams. So it, it would be a, a very difficult pitch, I would say. Um, if you really, really wanted to come to UNC, you'd have to tell him that, because they're probably going to play, you know, one in, four mm -hmm. out, that you're likely going to have to, 
you know, sub in for Armando. Um, maybe you guys can play together at, at some points, but it wouldn't be a full-time deal more than likely. And so I think that'd be a tough message for him to take. So I don't want to poo-poo it because he is, he is a really good player. Um, the only other thing that I, I wonder about, um, it's kind of the Sharif Abdurrahim thing, which is basically a really good player when you're on a bad team. Somebody has to get the numbers. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he's insulated uh-huh. by he's insulated though by his by his uh, percentages and his kind of advanced data. His his raw numbers um, raw numbers aren't as important as they used to be. Um, but I, I do think maybe there's some of that going around in that he was on a bad team and sometimes bad habits can come over. And regardless of how good a player is, you don't want those bad habits to kind of come over to your team. And I, I don't mean to sound negative towards Nance at all, but that's just something that you and coaches have to think about because, you know, we've been saying it for three years now, but this likely is probably more than likely potentially <laughs> the final run for these guys together. So, um, you know, you want to make sure that you're, that you're ready to go. Yeah. And I appreciate your comment about playing time. I mean, a, a wise man once wrote a song and said, players want to play and lovers want to love. Uh, and, and I think, you know, Pete Nance would certainly be one of those guys that, is not going to go back to college to be a bench, be a bench guy. Uh, the last guy I want to talk about, you know, that, that could potentially fit who's out there, uh, who has, dec- you know, has entered the transfer portal and is still going through the uh, NBA combine process is Pat Baldwin Jr., a big-time recruit, uh, freshman last year, big-time recruit in last year's class, uh, 6'10", 220 out of UW Milwaukee, 12 points a game, 5.8 rebounds, 1.5 assists per game, shot 35% from the field, I don't think anybody expected him to, I don't know, set the world on fire, but I think most folks definitely expected him to do better than he did last year. Uh, Sean, what can you say about Pat Baldwin Jr.? I, I think uh, this this year was an absolute disaster for him, unfortunately, uh, playing playing at a lower lower level where he had to be the go-to guy, which he was just not – not ready for no matter what the what the level was and it's it's interesting because he was one of the first players offered by Roy Williams in in that class if not the the first to let Sherelle correct me on that one but you can go back to to Peach Jam and he was playing he was playing up a year so this was when RJ and Caleb and all those guys were playing he was playing with Reese Beekman and, and Jalen Johnson and his numbers were off the charts because he was he was the third or fourth option kind of a catch and shoot catch and shoot guy moving without the ball a little bit and he didn't didn't have to dribble the ball much that's not his game and he was one of the most efficient players in in the peach jam uh playing a year a year up played well on on the usa circuit as well but for him i mean he's as as you said 610 shot 26 percent from the three-point line but i'm still going to say he's a good a good three-point shooter and i think he wherever he ends up i think that will be proven over time, when we did uh, during during I think the peak of COVID, when we were doing the fit articles on the cl- on this class, had him as a, a great fit for the team last year. Given there was a need, this was before Brady Manic, but there was a need at that position. There was a need for shooting, but there wasn't a need for ball handling and the build, ability to really create uh, off 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 the dribble. So he would be an ideal fit. I think he, he's much better than those those numbers showed uh, in the NBA Combine. He he didn't play. He tested well from a 
uh, measurement perspective extremely well from athletic pers <laughs> uh, athletic wise he was towards the bottom uh, with his vertical leap and and speed so you kind of wonder what, what was going on there but a very uh, I don't see him coming back to school if he did it could be you know just from a fit perspective it could be really good from a chemistry standpoint who who knows but I, I think just from a, a talent level uh, he, he's definitely better than that 26 percent from the three-point line I think uh, something I've seen, you know, in, in a lot of the write-ups about Baldwin Jr. is uh, one of the things that he struggled with last year was a foot injury, and that could also be limiting him as far as his uh, his performance at the combine so far. Shirley, you want to talk a li little bit about uh, PBJ? Yeah, I mean, Sean made all the, the relevant points, I think. Um, we can say we've done some digging, and just the people around him don't really want to say anything either way. They didn't want to say that, oh, you know, he's 100% coming – back to college they didn't want to say oh he's 100 percent going into the draft it was just kind of we're going to respect his process and whatever he decides you know we'll we'll go from there um so there's not much to know about what he's thinking um other than what he said and i think he he had mentioned in some media interviews that he wanted to see the draft process through so he has another week to do that um most of the projections have him late first round i think if you're pat baldwin jr you just to sean's point it's just a chance to go ahead and, and make some money and, and develop in the NBA. Um, I don't know how much a, another year in college would really be impactful for him. So it, it seems to me a situation where he's likely to turn pro. I don't know that. That's no inside information or anything. Um, but yeah, I mean, he, <clears throat> he has all the pedigree coming out of high school as um, one of those guys who was a potential, you know, top five pick um, that we used to talk about him in, in that kind of uh Bain, you know, along with Ben Carroll, along with Chet Holmgren and all the guys at the top of that 2021 class. Uh, from a UNT perspective, you know, Roe Williams offered him pre-pandemic. Uh, so like the summer of 2019, actually, if you compare it to most of the other Blue Bloods, um, was basically a year late. So most of his offers came um, basically the sophomore, the June 15th after his sophomore season, which would have been 2018. Uh, Kentucky and Carolina were kind of two of the last ones to offer a year later. Uh, so he had offers from everyone, interest from everyone. And I'm sure if he were to come back to college, he would have interest from uh, a lot of the top schools because I, I don't think they see one year as really diminishing him as a player, more of probably just a bad, you know, not the great basketball situation. A great situation to be with your dad for a year as, as a head coach, but maybe not the best for his basketball career. So if you, had a chance to get that player, I'm sure, you know, a lot of the top schools will be right there, but it, it just doesn't feel like a situation where he comes back to college. You know, a lot of the talk around UNC last year was around how great Brady Manick was and how things just worked really well for him. And if you think about how good everything went for North Carolina and Brady Manick, the 180 from that would probably be the season that Patrick Baldwin Jr. had at Wisconsin Milwaukee. I mean, it just, everything went poorly. He had some injuries. Um, you know, got his dad fired. I don't know that he got his dad fired, but his dad got fired from, from that job because they just didn't perform. And um, one of the it things you, it just makes you wonder, like, you know, maybe this is a, another topic for another day, but like for NBA, how really is important is college basketball? Because yeah. if he had never played a second in college basketball, he's a top five pick. Guaranteed. Absolutely. And he went out there, put tape up and they're like, uh, you know, maybe late first round. And it's because he played through some injuries. He was on a team that didn't have, you know, a, a lot of other talent. Uh, so it just, it makes me wonder, like, kind of 
do they really value college basketball from a uh, evaluation standpoint? Yeah, and, and it showcased, like you said, it showcased a lot of his warts and his game that could have been covered up uh, when he was playing as a uh, as a prep player. I think one of the things too you got to think about is you know to have a season bad enough where where your dad gets fired. And um, one of the things about you know coaches is they always have um, you know amazing contracts with apparel companies. Uh, and, and right now his dad is is going to be without gear. His dad's not going to have all that Wisconsin Milwaukee uh, logo to apparel that he's used to having. Um, and so I, I would strongly encourage um, for for Pat Baldwin Senior to consider calling uh, or going to Johnny T-shirt. Um, while he can't get University of Wisconsin Milwaukee gear, he can get all of the UNC gear that he wants. Um, could definitely restock his wardrobe uh, tenfold. Uh, we'll find a much better looking set of apparel because Johnny T-shirt stocks really good looking stuff. And we all know how powerful and, and, and gorgeous the UNC uh, logo and color scheme is. So that's where I would send him. I would tell him to go to Chapel Hill, go to Johnny T-shirt right there on East Franklin Street or go to johnnytshirt.com because they can ship it to him. If he's still in Milwaukee, he can get the stuff quickly. Um, Johnny T-shirt right now uh, has all the stuff you need for Father's Day. As you're listening to this, it's the end of May. Look, hopefully you took care of your moms. Now it's time to take care of pops. Uh, if, if you're going to be that lame that gets him a tie, get him a good tie. Get him a North Carolina tie from Johnny T-shirt. Uh, even better, if you want to kind of step your game up, get him some good-looking Jordan brand gear. Get him some stuff. Uh, the upcoming you know, football season is going to be here soon. Get him some gear that he can wear to Keenan Stadium and look good. Either way, Johnny T-shirt's the place you need to go. Check them out, johnnytshirt.com. Premium IC subscribers know you get an extra 10% off your order with the codes you can find on the premium message boards. So make sure you're using Johnny T-shirt to get your North Carolina apparel, swag, trinkets, doodads, whoosie what's it's, you name it. If Johnny T-shirt don't have it, you don't need it. Uh, take a quick second, let the national guys run some ads. We'll be right back to wrap up this episode of the Coast to Coast podcast on InsideCarolina.com. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, boys, we have done a good job digging into the portal a little bit without having to put on some kind of weird spacesuit. Um, appreciate you humoring me and giving me some insight on both those three players, both those three players, on all three of those players, both their games and how they might fit at the University of North Carolina. Uh, last thing we want to talk about before we get out of here, well, a couple of things, actually, Sherelle, uh, as the calendar flips over to June, players can start doing what now? Unmute. Yeah, <laughs> man, uh, got, so you, got the man yeah. off his patio and now he's lost his mind. 
<laughs> so yeah, again, this dead period ends um, on Saturday and players can again start taking official visits. And much like the football side, uh, if you're uh, subscribed to IC, you've seen all the stuff that Don Callahan's putting out. Um, basketball players are taking more official visits in June than I think, or, or visits in general in June than they had in previous years. Um, and so I think North Carolina is going to try and, and get some guys on campus. If you recall last year, uh, pretty much everyone they were recruiting came to campus at some point mm-hmm. during June. It's a good time because of the North Carolina basketball camps are going on. Um, campus, even though it's not full, is pretty lively. Um, pickup games are going on. So there's tons of alumni who will be uh, back in the Smith Center and, and around campus. Um, and then the freshmen show up uh, in June as well. So it's a good time just, you know, to, for the program to kind of start working towards the next season. And so it's a good time for guys to visit. So just be on the lookout for that. We have a couple who we think will definitely be in town um, in June. Haven't been able to confirm and lock down the dates, but if you think about it hard enough, you can probably guess. Um, so we'll Hint. see when that is confirmed. We'll, we'll make sure we post that. But uh, yeah, um, you know, there's a lot of local players as well in the classes of uh, 24 and even 25 looking way down the road who are within, you know, a couple of three hours of Chapel Hill, who we think will take, you know, visits at some point in June. And if folks know anything about inside Carolina, specifically about Sherelle McMillan, it's that if he's got confirmation on some good information, he's going to share it with our premium subscribers. So stay tuned uh, as things become more, I guess, solidified and confirmable. And Sherelle will let you all know. Sean, to wrap the show, you've got some notes about the uh, the USA U18 tryouts, which start Thursday of this week on the 26th. Uh, talk a little bit about why that matters to UNC fans and inside Carolina subscribers. Sure. So USA basketball, U18, they're finally finally getting back in the swing of things after having to take a little bit of a break uh, with COVID. Uh, they did play last year with the U17s, but uh, Thursday begins training camp in, in Houston, I think 27 players are invited across the 2022 so uh, soon to be freshman class as well as high school 23 and I believe one 24 player uh, from a UNC perspective Seth Trimble was invited uh, after not being invited really to any of the main high school all-star games he was invited to try out for the U18 team and then Gigi Jackson as well as one of the younger guys there um, it'll be interesting to see how that goes, usually these, these, the coaches are looking for fit versus talent. So in years past, you've had a ton of uh, first round, first round draft picks, uh, lottery picks get cut just because they haven't been the best fit for the team. And it's always a great evaluation place. I really wish I was, was there just to see how Trimble does perform against some of those, those players, Nick Smith being, being one of them. But, uh, you know, just going back, four years, the last time the U18 team was put together, uh, was able to go and and watch the first few days of tryouts. And that team, uh, 12 players that had Kobe White, Cole Anthony, and Armando Baycott on the team. Uh, So a pretty big UNC influence uh, four years ago. Um, One one of those players still still, uh, donning the, the Carolina colors right now, but went back through that team. Uh, Joey loves, uh, you know, he knows I love putting out some stats and facts. And uh, actually, maybe I'll, I'll throw Sherelle a pop, pop quiz. But Sherelle, out of those 12 players on, on that team, Armando being one of them, how many do you think are still in college right now? 12 players on a team. Uh, 
I'm trying to remember who's on the team. Kurt was on the team. He's gone. I don't know. I'll guess and say two. So, not bad. There, there's five. So, five players still in college. Armando being one. Uh, Jackson Davis at Indiana mm-hmm. being another. Uh, Josiah James at, at Tennessee uh, are a few, few of the guys. Uh, there's three one and duns. UNC had two of them being Cole and Kobe. At that point in time, nobody was really expecting Kobe to be one and done. He actually didn't even start for the team, but he was the, the leading scorer. And out of those 12, five are in college, uh, six were drafted in the NBA. The only person that was not drafted, Matt Hurt from Duke. He started on the team, didn't he? He did. Yeah, yep. Yeah. And with that, my head has exploded. My uh, my headphones are no longer working. Uh, those of you watching on YouTube, this is just a, a placeholder. My actual real face has been melted off by Sean's stats for the evening. Uh, that's good stuff, man. I appreciate you bringing that and uh, and helping us to wrap the show. That I, I would not have thought that the last time they did this was 2018, but it just goes to show you this this COVID thing is throwing a wrench in things. Um, but it'll it'll be interesting to see how that goes. And like you said, it's it's important for UNC fans and I see subscribers to to be able to see how Tremble and Gigi do against uh, against that sort of competition in that format. Uh, boys, before we get out of here, anything else you want to add, Sean? The only thing I'll add since we, we spent most of the time talking about uh, the portal and, and transfers, how nice it is to have an example in terms of Brady Manick for UNC to mm. to put and everybody sees that and, and understands what he did and and all these years we've talked about Duke and, and one and done, and you always see the successes more than the failures. And, and now when it comes to the portal, which uh, is becoming just as important as recruiting is, that they have one of the top, if not the top success story in terms of, of how that has worked out for them. So whether it's this year or next year, they'll continue to, to get guys that are, that are interested in them uh, based on how Brady, Brady Manic performed this year. Yeah, we've said it on this show, and it was nice to watch develop. But, man, does Hubert Davis have a story to tell for a potential uh, one-year transfer. Shrill, anything else you want to add before we get out? Not particularly. I just think it's interesting to note that um, it is, while they are still in the portal, it's a relatively quiet time for for Hubert Davis. And I think his first year was just marked by there wasn't many quiet times. I mean, that stretch from when he got the job until, <laughs> <laughs> until August of last year was was something to remember because there was just some kind of new piece of information recruiting or otherwise pretty much every single day. And then the way the season went, that was just an incredible uh, good and bad stretch from November, you know, through the first Monday in April. Um, and then, you know, for a couple of weeks in April, you trying to figure out who's coming back and what the roster is going to look like. Um, and so now, here they are in May with just one spot, but uh, it feels like the first time in like, you know, 13 or 14 months that he could really, him and his staff could just kind of sit back and just take one deep breath before getting back at it. Yeah. You hope those guys have been able to be humans and connect, reconnect with their families and enjoy their vacation time. Uh, Because like you said, it's the last 12 months, it's been an absolute uh, 13 months. It's to, to call it a whirlwind would be an understatement. Um, all right, fellas. Well, you know how much I appreciate you and appreciate what you bring to the show because I'm just sitting here pressing buttons and uh, asking questions, but I appreciate you guys bringing the skill and finesse that you always do. I just want to remind everybody, thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Rate and review. We appreciate it. I'm thankful you guys are here. 
love that you guys consume this show every time we put one out and hope that we'll back we'll yeah i'm so i'm so appreciative i can't even say it hope that we will be back with you very soon with uh you know with another update about what's going on maybe we've got some news to break who knows um but guys thank you so much for listening for sean moran Cheryl mcmillan i'm joey powell shout out to john seeley for producing to johnny t-shirt for sponsoring and until next time we'll catch you down the road this has been the coast to coast podcast on inside carolina.com late what if i told you imaginary friends are real this is just so exciting this friday get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined showtime ryan reynolds john krasinski kaylee fleming fiona shaw phoebe waller bridge louis gossett jr matt damon emily blunt george clooney maya rudolph bradley cooper sebastian maniscalco john stewart sam rockwell aquafina keegan michael key and steve carell i need to throw up or i need a snack it's one of the two gross if ready pg parental guidance suggested written and directed by john krasinski